our guidance counselors, if you would like to give a little introduction about yourselves, that would be wonderful. I guess I'll go. <laughs> My name is Kelly Mills. I am a counselor at Cuthbertson High School, and I have been a counselor there for the last two years. And prior to that, I was a middle school counselor and a virtual high school counselor, and then also a teacher for a few years as well. But right now I work with students um, from ninth through 12th grade at Cuthbertson High School. Thanks for having me. Hi everyone, my name is Tara Plank and I am also a school counselor at Cuthbertson High School. Um, this is my first year as a school counselor. I was previously a high school uh, history teacher and my specialties um, in grad school were counseling adolescents, crisis counseling, and counseling special populations. Well, we want to thank you guys so much for being here. We really appreciate it. And what we're really focusing on is um, mental health for our project and really talking about that, um, especially with um, cor the coronavirus and how much that's impacted us um, just on a daily basis. So we're really focusing on the stigma today and everything that's associated with that. And we would love to get some insight from your expertise. We, we all have a couple questions we have prepared. So I think, um, especially with your um, generation, the stigma of mental health is really, we're seeing a decrease and that's because of the open conversation with um, mental health. With social media, obviously there are positives and negatives to social media. I think it can definitely um, have an impact negatively on mental health, but it can also um, you know, show what everyone is going through, especially during, during Corona times when students um, and adults alike are feeling isolated. It's a way to kind of have everyone have this sense of solidarity. Um, and, you know, with mental health, I think Ms. Mills and I specifically at Cuthbertson, I know we went and talked to the ninth grade students, um, just, you know, with terminology and things like that and just having students understand just the different components of mental health, um, I think is going to go a long way with even further decreasing that stigma um, of mental health. I think just that the, I, I would say even 10 years ago, students your age wouldn't be having a platform like this to even talk about it. Um, so I think that your generation really is a generation that is starting to, um, normalize mental health issues and know that it's it's something that um, people face and need help with and that it, that's okay. So in the past, I think, you know, it's easy to think of if you break your arm, you put a cast on it and it gets fixed. Well, with mental health, you can't see a lot of times when somebody's hurting or in crisis as easily as something like a broken arm. So um, I think that things like these podcasts, as well as, um, like Ms. Plank said, the social media, even I know that we're training our teachers in different ways where they're getting to go to um, like, a like a mental health first aid day where they learn more about how to recognize signs of mental health and also how to help students right there in the classroom. I think those are things that are taking steps in a positive direction. Yeah, I have a question for the guidance counselors of like, what as students can we do? Like, what, how can we point out and see, okay, like we can help this other student? Because how you say that you're helping teachers recognize the signs of mental health? Like how can us as students do that? I think just recognizing that everyone, you know, mental health is so broad, even things like stress and anxiety, those are part of mental health and everyone at some point 
goes through periods where they have stress and have anxiety. So just being open and talking about it. Um, you know, obviously there are more intense forms of, you know, mental health issues um, that you would be able to see, you know, in your friends if they're withdrawn, if they're, uh, you know, if their moods and their emotions are changing, but even just, you know, little things like stress and anxiety, openly talking about it. I know a lot of you are probably in, you know, like AP and upper level classes and that can, you know, cause stress and anxiety. Um, so just normalizing it um, and, you know, making other students feel like, okay, like this is being talked about and this is, it's okay that I'm having these feelings. Um, and then if you ever are questioning, you know, is my friend or is, you know, my classmate, are they struggling? Um, you know, having that conversation with an adult um, and then they, who is more equipped to, you know, help them on their journey if they have one. Yeah, and I will just add to that too. What I think is really important is that a lot of times our students who want to be the helpers and really help with somebody that's in crisis or struggling, um, I think that's wonderful. But I also, and, and it's a good first step, but I really want to encourage you guys that if you do have a friend or someone you know that is struggling to, to not, so a lot of times kids want to keep that a secret or they want you to keep their secrets. I, I would encourage you guys to seek out a trusted adult, whether it's your counselor at school, um, a parent, a coach, somebody who you, who you feel that you trust so that you're not bearing that burden of, of helping them all by yourself. Um, that way, depending on what the situation is, they can get you the right resources to then help your friend as well. I think that's super important because I've, I have seen in the past students wanting to help other students and that creating extra stress on them because they're carrying the weight of trying to help them by themselves. And that can be tough too. So reaching out to somebody you trust as an adult is a really big way to help others as well. Okay, so I'll go next. So speaking on terms of um, how you can assist in mental health, um, I know that a lot of times there are factors like financial and parental factors that can contribute to anxiety. So how would you like suggest um, like basically trying to help or trying to like improve your situation when you don't have the powers to basically control your situation? I would say as as high school students, and it sounds like you guys, everybody I believe is in Union County right now. For the most part, I think that every high school now has not only um, high school counselors, but we have a social worker and we have um, a behavior th therapist that I don't think students always know about. That's right on our campus. So as far as a financial need, I would start by talking with your high school counselor. And if it is something that's above, say what we do on a regular basis, we have a lot of resources through our social worker and our behavior therapist where they come on campus and they actually meet with kids once a week and have appointments with them. And they can, you can get that type of service without having, you know, free of charge. So that's one way that you could do it. Thank you. I would like to know that um, as guidance counselors, what are the most common things that um, students struggling with mental health normally come for or what are behaviors that you see in mental health students that are struggling with mental health and how do you think that culture or stigma has contributed to the way that people come to you? Um, so 
I think a lot of what we see as high school counselors, and this may be different for middle school and elementary counselors, um, a lot of what we see is stress and anxiety, or at least that's what it manifests as in, in the beginning. And that's just, especially during COVID, all of the pressures that you know, you guys have not only in school, but outside of school. And I know we all really tried to validate that for our students. Um, we've never gone through a pandemic and I cannot imagine going through a pandemic and being in high school and, you know, everything else that as adolescents you all go through. So I think validating that, but definitely the stress and anxiety uh, is what we see most of. Um, and that manifests in different ways. Sometimes that's students that need to come and like take a break because they're feeling super anxious in a group setting or they need to um, come blow off steam because, you know, they failed a test. Um, I think Union County specifically, um, there is such a high academic rigor and standard that, you know, that's part of the reason that we see a lot of the stress and anxiety in students. Um, I love the question about culture and multiculturalism. So in grad school, you know, I was lucky enough to take a few classes on that. Um, I don't really think we see it as much, you know, in the high school setting, but it's also very important to keep in mind that different cultures do have different standards of, um, you know, like just what they share with others and, you know, being cognizant. Um, there are some cultures who, you know, um, for example, believe in, you know, like not sharing that with counselors or not seeking out counseling or that, you know, the family unit is, you know, more important than the individual. So when we're um, counseling a student or we are, you know, guiding them through like the college process, okay, well, you know, in certain cultures, you know, one student, you know, going to a school in another state may be, you know, a great option, but, you know, culturally or in their family, that's just not, um, what they do, like staying close to home and with the family unit. So keeping that in mind while you're, you know, we are counseling um, should be at the forefront. And it's something I think needs to be talked about um, even more, especially with Union County and the changes um, with different populations moving in and out. And I'm, I'm going to add just a different spin on the changing the culture because Miss um, Plank made great points on in that area of culture. I'm not sure, did you also mean changing the culture of just the fact of going to your counselor to talk? Was that part of um, your question as well as like to get kids to be feel more comfortable to come to your counselor? Yes, that I just wanted to know that how we can um, break the stigma and how we can not feel embarrassed to seek help. Sure, and that that is such a great question and I'm gonna offer some answers, but then I'm gonna ask you students the same question back and I would love to hear your input. So I know that at Cuthbertson we have been working hard to try to change that stigma. I know that um, for example for high school we don't we really don't like to be called guidance counselors because that kind of puts a stigma on us that all we're going to do is just grades and grades and you know not not work with the whole person. Um, so we prefer to be called school counselors but that's because we want to build a welcoming um, area for like, if you were to come into my office and I know a few of you guys have been into my office, I would hope that you would see that it's a welcoming environment where you can come in, you could sit down, you can relax. Um, and same with Ms. Plank's office. I, so I think that changing that 
in part, in some way, is on our responsibility as the adults to make it not be a big deal to come down, even to just stop by and say hi to us. Like, you don't need to um, come down only when you're having a problem. Like, why well, we are happy to help you answer um, any questions that you have. And hopefully that will build that relationship. So then when you do have a problem, you feel comfortable coming and asking us. Um, I get it that, it, you know, I, I was going to say high school since, but I'd say any human being, it's hard to open up to somebody if you haven't built some foundation with them. So I think that's important. So this is actually going to sound a bit weird, but whenever I speak to counselors, sometimes I do feel a little embarrassed about speaking out about my problems. So I think maybe actually writing it down or like maybe like, you know, just sitting there and typing it down and just send it back and forth. Uh, even if you're like actually in person, that make, may make it helpful because then you don't feel like the pressure of actually trying to say something right, rather just typing it and maybe and like go from there. I think that's a great suggestion. Thank you. Um, and I think sometimes, even when I when I work with students and they're struggling with things, I will sometimes have them write a letter, even if they're not going to send it to the person, just to get kind of their emotions and their thoughts on paper, and then wait for it for a while to see if like, do I really need to send this or give this to that person, or have I worked some things out? But I think that's a great tool that we could offer our students too, if they would rather do that. Um, I know that we communicate via email a lot with our students too, so that's another platform that they can use as well. I didn't think that much about the um, building a relationship aspect of counseling, and I think that really important and I really agree with what you said um, because I personally would not want to go up to someone and tell them about all my problems if I don't have at least like a basic uh, trust to them. So I just want to say that you know you guys should keep that up because like I've never really thought about that until now that you guys you know go in the hallways and it, you know, just have like these little interactions they're actually add up to be really meaningful in the end and that schools that aren't already implementing these kinds of uh just little things should um, start and should start advocating for it so shifting kind of from that idea i have a question um that we touched a little bit earlier on but about you know being able to help your peers but also reach out for help um when we say like helping our peers what do you have any suggestions of how to be supportive but not intrusive because i feel like people dealing with um, a lot of mental health you can come across as intrusive and not understanding kind of where they are but you know wanting to support um just kind of with that that's a great question and i think even going back to the piece of just seeing people and like how we talked about we stand in the hallways and just like how much a simple hello or a good morning can help someone in building that relationship, not saying that, you know, it's even possible or realistic for you to be best friends with 1900 students, 2000 students. But I think that a lot of people don't, or they underestimate the value of just, you know, building a relationship or what a simple hello can do to someone who's having a stressful day or who is having, uh, you know, a panic attack or, you know, they don't, we had students come in the building for this week the first time in over a year and just those simple interactions with not only their teachers and school counselors but a lot of times it's more meaningful coming from you guys so while it may not be this grand gesture of 
you know, let me help you out of your depression or let me, you know, help you feel less anxious, just building connections with your peers. Um, and so they're seen, I think goes a long way, honestly. And I agree with everything Ms. Plank said. A lot of times um, our helpers, whether they be adults or students, they want to they want to be fixers. And sometimes you can't fix the problems, but you certainly can sit there with them. Um, I don't know. I, I love the illustration of, I, and I hope you guys you guys know who Winnie the Pooh is, right? That's I know that's that's actually even old for me, but. Um, one of the illustrations I love is that Eeyore, the donkey that's always sad and lonely, there's a little cartoon with him sitting down being sad and all his friends, Pooh and Piglet, they just sit down with him and they keep including him. They keep um, keeping him part of the group, you know, and just keep him, keep, they don't, they include him even though he may be sad and they're like, well, we'll sit down and be sad with you or be quiet with you and just being there being present with them a lot of times shows um, them that they have support. So that would be just another way to know that you don't always have to fix it, but just show that you are supportive of them. I think goes a long way. And also being brave enough, like in the cafeteria, um, especially this week, I think it has been very nerve wracking for a lot of our students because lunches got mixed up again. Now you probably had your one seat you went and you sat with and now you've got a much bigger lunch group and you've got new kids in the building. So if you see that kid sitting by themselves, like having, being brave enough to go sit down with them, I think in introducing yourself. Um, oh, somebody just put a Winnie the Pooh up. <laughs> but um, anyhow, that, those little things, um, I know sometimes kids get worried like, oh, they're going to think I'm weird by doing that. And I can I can tell you that if you went up and introduced yourself to them, they're gonna, that goes so far for kids who are worried about not having anybody to sit with too. I would say too, even now with COVID, some of you may still be online and virtual students, including virtual students, like when you're, I know it's like hard if you're in your classes, if you're not working like on your laptop. Um, and I'm not sure how all teachers are structuring it, but just making, you know, reaching out to those students and making them feel included um, because a lot of students are still at home and still don't have the connection piece that a lot of students have gone back to school have. So just remembering them as well. And even sharing, like you guys are creating this podcast, which I think is amazing, like sharing it and like having students like actually hear like, okay, like the, it, this is being talked about and you know, I can, there are resources and there are other students that I can go to. Um, it's a small step, but it's, you know, one of the most impactful things that you guys can do is just talking about um, mental health. Yeah, and I, I want to bring my personal experience with the whole lunch thing, because I remember my sophomore year, like, there was, like, this girl that was sitting alone, and I, like, went and like, brought her over to our table. And I think it made her feel really good, because, like, and she became friends with, like, some of the other girls at my table, so... If you guys ever see anyone like that, like it's awesome to like be like, okay, come and join us. And even if there, one time I even did that to a girl, and she's like, no, I don't want to. And you're just like, okay, that's great. Like, okay, but it's like just do that. Like just that little thing maybe just made her day better. So yeah, I love that. I love that you did that. And again, you don't have to be best friends with that person. Maybe it's just that the lunchroom can be one of the most anxious places and the most anxious times of someone's entire day. Um, so even, you know, being reached out, even if they say no, they may appreciate like, okay, someone sees me, 
they may not, but again, that's just life. But again, you putting yourself out there and being willing to help, um, I think is awesome. So I'm so glad to hear that um, you did that. Um, I take some classes from NCVPS. So the only time I get to see like other students is like during discussion forums in Canvas. And that's not really like a student to student interaction. It's just, I'm commenting to get a grade, you know? So how, like, let's say someone is taking all of their classes from NCPPS or something like that, where they don't get to interact at all, at all with their students. Um, how can they, like, support, I, I, like, how can we still support and still have that um, same age interaction? If you see, do you get what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. I think, again, this is new for everybody. There are things that, you know, schools and school counselors and parents and students are doing well. And there are things that we're not doing well. That's because we've never gone through this. So in that situation, I think it would be a lot, you know, up to maybe the student, the parent, and obviously you still have a counselor to um, provide that interaction, whether that's, um, you know, still participating in clubs after school. I know they're virtual, but, you know, having that interaction with students through that or, you know, having parents encouraging students to keep up their extracurricular activities outside of school or volunteering or even just, you know, going outside and going on a walk can do wonders for your mental health. There can be no one around. And that's like sometimes the thing that helps me most is just like getting up, moving, being outside. Um, so I think there's a lot that, you know, this has shown that we need to do, especially with that connection piece that you just talked about. Ms. Mills, you may have some other suggestions, but I don't know if we've really mastered that piece yet. Um, we're trying, but. Yeah. And I would say, and I don't know exactly how the format of those classes would be, but if there was a way to reach out to students in your class and maybe get their, um, you know, text them or if you're doing Instagram or however, whatever platform you're going to use it, you know, so you can connect outside of class or even do something like a Google Meet where you guys can um, see each other face to face and do your homework together that way or work on things like that. Um, that might be a way to connect that with actual um, students in your class. Another suggestion, and again, like Ms. Plank said, I don't know if this would work or not since I'm not teaching that in that platform. But even reaching out to that, that teacher, you know, your teachers and saying like, hey, uh, is there a way we could do a group project or is there a way we can have a platform for those classes so we can interact, not just, and I know what you're saying about, oh, reply to two students for your participation points or whatever. Um, if it's something more meaningful that way, even if it's like a Friday lunch group where you guys don't even do your work per se, but you might jump on one of these and you guys eat your lunch together virtually, you know, um, at, reach out to the teacher. They may or may not be open to that, but I bet there will be some that, that would be open to um, supplying that type of platform for you. But um, I agree with that because I'm taking public speaking right now and it's through SPCC, so we don't get to see anyone at all. And we just started working on a group project. It's the first time we got to like talk to people and I thought it was like super nice that I wasn't talking to like a computer or yeah. someone like that. And when we do present our speeches, no one has their camera on. So it's kind of like, you're still just talking to a computer. So I think reaching out to your teacher would be nice. 
Um, do you want to share some tips that we can do, like when we meet someone that has that's going through something? Like, if we didn't know that they had it and we see physical symptoms, what should we do? Yeah. Um, so I think if you are comfortable with that person, asking them if they're okay, maybe not asking them like, hey, I, or, you know, a simple question, hey, so you're, I see you're really down today. Um, you know, is there anything that I can do to help you? Again, because a lot of what you guys probably see in high school is manifest as stress, anxiety, um, some panic, um, there's, you know, students with depression, but again, there's also, also those mental health issues that you don't see. So if you see a change in someone, I would say if they're your friend or you're comfortable approaching them one-on-one, -on -one, I wouldn't do it in a group. Um, that's a great step. If you don't feel comfortable talking to the person, talking to an adult, not talking to other friends about it, because again, that could just exacerbate the situation. Yeah. And I would just add to that, like, if they are, like, if you're asking for, like, some strategies to do, like, actual tips, like, um, one thing that we talked with, we spoke with our, the ninth graders about in the health classes was, like, box breathing. And basically, box breathing is, like, if you can picture a box, you would breathe in for four seconds and then breathe out for four seconds, breathe in, breathe out. Or you can add another component that Miss Play taught me was to breathe in for four seconds and then hold your breath for four seconds and then breathe out for four seconds and do that a few times with them. And that gets, it does a, a lot of things. One, it makes your mind think about the present moment of just breathing. So that helps you not think about the other things that are going on. It gets oxygen to the rest of your body, which helps to relax you. It helps calm your heart rate. Um, and it helps um, calm them down by having something to focus on. Another, um, probably my favorite strategy that I use um, quite a bit in my office when I have a student come in and see me who is feeling overwhelmed is, um, it's called 54321. And what you would do is you're using your five senses. So these are things that they could do with you where you would start with the number five and have them pick out five things that they can see and um, in the room. So they can, you know, it might be like, I'm sitting in this room and I see um, there's a pillow over here and I can see out on the street because I'm sitting by a window and pick five things. Then um, four things that you can hear um, or four things you can touch, three things you can hear, two things you can um, smell and one thing that you can taste. And if you can't, actually touch or taste things, then you can think of like, well, what is my favorite flavor of things? So by the time you get through all of those things, you've now thought of five, four, three, two, one different things other than your stress. And that tends to be able to calm them down. Um, again, ground them, get them thinking about the present moment and not everything that's going on. It's not a fix, but it definitely is something that can help get them back to maybe a state where they can talk or um, feel better about themselves. And you can probably just look on like Google or Pinterest for a 54321 method or a box breathing method, and you'll see some good graphics and things like that um, and variations of it that I think are helpful little um, tips. We also did um, a guided meditation that was like two minutes long. And um, I'll, I'll be real honest, when I first tried it, I was like, this is, this is not for me. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be giggly, I'm not gonna do it. 
And oh my goodness, I was wrong. Like I, it was two, only two minutes long. And basically it just guides you with some soft music to breathe and maybe physically think about like relaxing your neck, relaxing like each body part going down. And by the time that two minutes was over, I was like, I felt like a noodle, you know, I was so relaxed and it was so nice. So sometimes when, you know, that can, that doesn't always help in the moment, but that can also be preventative. So um, I know some classrooms may start with something like that. Um, some teachers who are really in tune with mental health will start with a two minute guided meditation or breathing before a test to kind of get your mindset so that it helps to prevent those um, anxiety attacks or just stress. It helps relieve it a little bit. So those are some, I hope those are some helpful practical tips too that might be helpful with a friend okay so um i'm all i'm all virtual right now and i mean it's okay um but i don't really see anybody like tommy was saying like it's kind of like you're all secluded in your room and you're sitting in front of your desk and it's just kind of boring how do you keep a positive mindset while doing this because like some t sometimes i find that i'm like super stressed like oh my god at ap exams i'm gonna die like everything and then sometimes I'm like, um, oh, well, I'll just do it later. Like, I don't feel like doing this right now. So how yeah. do you deal with that? It's That's hard. Um, we've been, or I've been, you know, telling my students who are virtual, um, you know, change of environment, you know, getting out of your bedroom, maybe going outside and doing your work. I know that doesn't help your stress level, but that just at least like helps the monotony, break up the monotony of the day. Um, I know some parents are not comfortable with, you know, you guys seeing friends outside of school. So that's really hard. Um, if they do allow that, that is a great way. Um, positive affirmations. Again, like Miss Mills was giving, you know, different um, tips. Honestly, it seems silly, um, but this is actually something I do and it may work for you guys. It may not. It may work for other students. I literally will write positive affirmations on post-it notes and put them. I know Miss Mills has some on their, their, her door. I have them on my mirror, literally all over my mirror. And I just write positive affirmations. And then each day, like I, you know, at least try to say one positive affirmation. Like, you know, like I am prepared for these AP tests. I have studied hard. Um, I have taken a major test before and done well. Um, you know, things like that honestly can go a long way. They may not help you. You may be like, this is not helping at all. But just trying things like that, um, I think, can really help change um, your mood. Um, but again, a lot of those students who are still are on Plan D, you guys are, you know, based on what your parents and you feel most comfortable with, you have limited um, resources. So I know we've said things like, you know, even getting on and um, I don't know, students in your AP classes, like having just like a lunch where you don't talk about your AP tests, you just like have a lunch over Zoom and just like enjoy each other's company and not um, think about it. Miss um, Mills, what are some of your suggestions? So I... One big one, and it's not doable for everybody, but I would say is to if you could not have your school space be in your bedroom, or if you do, have it be a designated space, like a desk or something. So you can physically, this sounds silly, but be like, okay, I'm going to school. Like, it's not like, oh, I'm still in bed and I'm going to, like, I think kids that stay in their pajamas all day and do it and do their schoolwork in their bed and everything, it doesn't 
it's it's just boring you know it's just the same thing over and over again and that will get you down so i would say i've said over and over to like mo the majority of my virtual students who are struggling um with stress or just the monotony the first thing i ask them is what time do you go to bed because a lot of my virtual students go to bed super late because they have, you know, their schedule isn't as structured as the bell rings and you go to the second block and third block and things like that. I would, I try to encourage my students to stick to that bell schedule, even though they're at home, but get up, get dressed, go to school, whether that be to go sit outside on your porch because the weather's been amazing right now, or if it's to go to wherever your school space is and treat that as a separate, space so that when you do go to your bed and you put your headphones on or you're listening you know listening to music or doing stuff that is a little bit more it separates it and it's a little bit more enjoyable i think um the other thing i would say with the stress of school is i know that like the grading policy has given you guys a cushion of a few extra days to turn in things without a penalty i would say pretend that's not actually there um try to Try to treat it like how it was over a year ago, where if it's assigned and it's due the next day, try to get each assignment done daily so you don't get, I've had so many students put stuff off to the weekend or a few days, and now instead of just one assignment, they've got four or five that they have to do, and then that becomes overwhelming, and then they shut down because it's it's too much. Where do I start now? You know, I'm so behind, where do I start? So to try to keep on those schedules, um, I think that's helpful. And then, um, I mean, Ms. Plank said the other things, the connecting with, with other people, whether it be virtually. And I know by this time, you guys probably have screen fatigue because I know I do. Like sometimes, you know, like I had to, I'm in a book club. I did not want to go to it because we were going to meet virtually. And I'm like, you know what, guys, I can't, I can't do another virtual meeting, you know, so I'll wait till we're meeting in person. So getting outside even, and I don't know what, what the rules are for your family so maybe it's something maybe you can meet in your driveway and stay socially distanced and be able to see people in person um i like the idea if your classes could get together and not talk about your class just to get to know each other too if you feel comfortable with that but i would say those the the getting up having a different space for learning and trying to keep to a schedule just helps i think make it be a school day instead of just i've got school you know from the time i wake up to the time i go to bed it's always on your mind like and and if you have especially if you have like a different room where you could close the door and be like okay i'm leaving school you know and 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 be able to leave it there until you log on again um, that might be helpful I think those are really great tips. And personally, like I have done pretty much everything that like I've been through everything that you were just talking about. Like sometimes I wouldn't start any of my schoolwork until like after three o'clock, which is when the regular school day would end. Just because like I was procrastinating or like just didn't feel like doing anything. So I agree with the um, advice on sticking to your school schedule. And also with the whole um, screen fatigue thing, like. I'm in um, AP Lang and I'm assigned a book to read. And although I have an option to read it online, I just decided to go to the library and get the 
actual physical copy and stack because I cannot stare at a screen any more than I have to. So um, yeah, I thought those were really relatable and um, good tips. I love that you did that. We'd like to just say a big thank you once again for all of your time and all of your suggestions and, and your insight. I personally have learned, you know, techniques and ideas that you can't really Google. You have to talk to someone about. So I really appreciate that. And yeah, I thank you guys for that.